Batshit crazy lunatic who is respected by far too many people and suspected gay bestiality enthusiast, Pat Robertson, welcome to the herd mentality once again. You know, you, you might as well keep your mouth shut. I'll do as little speaking as possible, Pat. Now, you're very excited about your new retail outlet in Indiana. What's it called? The gays are going to get it. Ooh, this sounds like it'll be fun to edit. And it's going to get more intense. You're aiming for a niche market, so I'd be welcoming your store if... You like oral sex. Great start, but what about if... You like anal sex. So that's most people covered. Perhaps if... You like bestiality. Bestiality? What's so terrible about uh, having sex with animals? Well, consent for a start. Secondly, they're terrible at kissing. Uh, what's wrong with you? Uh, what's wrong with you? From what you're saying here, it's not a stretch of the imagination to suggest that you've recently shagged a gay panda. When it's all finished, he says... Uh, Do we even want to know what you said? Just get ready for it. Oh, no. <laughs> no. There it is. I want to get married to you. But I'm a human. Perform a quickie ceremony. A human male. They perform sexual acts together. I'm an atheist human male. I don't really think I want to be married to you anymore. Pat Robertson, thanks for coming on the show. No problem. It won't stop at homosexuality. But what about polygamy? Well, you've got multiple wives. First time I was on the herd mentality. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you seem like the sort of person who might have to uh, appear on an upcoming Raygate, Jen, just quietly. I would love that, yes. <laughs> Can I hang out that with is... Raylene? We could have bagels and a, a little schmear. Why would you want to? <laughs> I love her. I love her. She's a disgrace, guys. <laughs> See you around. Goodbye. Awesome. Welcome to the Herd Mentality Podcast, an eclectic non-weekly mix of atheistic, humanistic and scientific conversations with complete strangers. I've never met them and they've never met me, but we're throwing caution to the wind, taking a risk with a dodgy internet connection, and God willing, entertain you with some scintillating repartee. This is a listener-supported show and you can help boost quality and quantity at HerdMentalityPodcast.com and then click on support. Your contribution makes all the difference for the show and 10% of it goes to women in developing countries. I'm your host, Questionable Adam, found on Twitter, Facebook and Google+. And it's time to meet our guests. Herd mentalists, hear me. It's Questionable Adam here. Remember me? I'm the guy who hasn't released a podcast episode for six weeks now. After the Unholy Trinity Down Under tour, I needed to refill the coffers and I've had an extraordinary workload outside of the podcast. So let's talk about my favourite topic for a bit. Me. I've changed my real-world job from five days per week to three, which will allow me to produce more content. This has been made possible by the likes of all the wonderful people who support the show at patreon.com slash herdmentality, including some new herd mentalists, Craig, Danny, Barbara, Cranium on Empty, Harry, Tim, and Bruce. We're edging ever closer to Raygate the musical. I have a lot of cows to draw and post out, so... Could I please ask all of you to update your Patreon details with the correct email and postal address so I can get that actioned? Secondly, the lady friend and I are moving to France next February, not Hong Kong as mentioned on a previous episode. We've upgraded to a place where we actually speak the language. The more support we get here for the show, the greater the likelihood that this can become a consistent, regular show with more silly sketches when I move. There's been a lot of support for Kiva via the show, a lot of support. Special thanks to Bruce for sending $25 through. That money went to Kiva directly to offset the cost of the following loans, and 
To relay that information to you, here's No Illusions from the award-winning Scathing Atheist podcast. Thank you, Adam. No Illusions from the Scathing Atheist podcast here. I'm the one that Adam calls upon when he needs to convey a lot of information in a short period of time and also in other situations that he's asked me not to detail on the air. Anyway, the reason I'm here is that intrepid herd mentalist Rosalind sent Adam $300 to make loans to women in developing countries, and he wanted me to tell you where that money went in a single breath, and it's going to be tough. Sandra Molina in Colombia to buy supplies for a new shop. Floretti also in Colombia to buy wholesale stock. Awan in Vietnam to repair her house. Weagle in Tajikistan to buy cattle. Evelyn Rosabella in El Salvador for shop supplies. Maltuba in Tajikistan to renovate her cattle enclosure. Anna in Armenia to improve stock range in her store. Gulchera in Tajikistan to buy livestock. Rosemary in El Salvador to get a new cow not hand-drawn by Adam as well as two new pigs. Mohabit in Tajikistan to buy fertilizer. Indira in Kyrgyzstan to cultivate her farm. And Sona in Armenia for new tools. These loans were made during a period in which Google.org matched the loans, doubling the impact of $600 loan. Remember, 10% of the proceeds from this episode went to Kiva.org to cover their expenses as well. You can join the Herd Mentality lending team by going to Kiva.org and searching for Herd Mentality. Remember, actions like these are made possible by supporters of the show. See how you can help by visiting HerdMentalityPodcast.com and clicking on the Support tab. And now back to somebody who speaks at a normal human pace. Thank you, Noah. And if you're living in an Islamic theocracy and haven't heard Noah's show, please check it out at scathingatheist.com. And also check out the new Skeptocrat podcast as well. Both are brilliantly produced and come highly recommended from me. So what's coming up? Peter Bogosian, author of A Manual for Creating Atheist, is coming to stay with me in the Herd Mentality Recording Dungeon. We're doing a live recording of the show at the Royal Hotel. That's 68 Blacksland Road in Ryde, Sydney. The date is Saturday, July the 11th at 6pm. There's a bistro and plenty of drinks to go around. Please send an email to adam at herdmentalitypodcast.com to RSVP. We'll have some signed books to give away on the night and you'll all be involved in making a podcast. It'll be awesome. What else is happening? Uh, does anyone remember Ra who plays Raylene in the Raygate sketches? But anyway, she's coming to stay and we'll have a live Raygate recording at the same venue Tuesday the 7th of July from 7pm onwards. Once again, please RSVP to attend by emailing me at adam at herdmentalitypodcast.com. And whilst we never know what's really going to happen in a Raygate sketch, we may end up doing atheist confessions, so bring along your problems for Ray and Raylene to investigate. Details for both events are available at herdmentalityblog.com if you didn't have time to write them down here. After this episode is released, I'm off to Paris for a three-week holiday with no phone, no editing, no nothing. Very much looking forward to a break, so I'll see you guys late June. Now, finally, on with the show, let's have a chat with Chris and Jen. Ladies and gentlemen and everybody else in between, I'm joined on the line by Chris Krismanski, author and exotic dancer. How are you, sir? How's it going, buddy? E extra good. <laughs> Who's that snorting in the background? That would be at Jan underscore August. Welcome. Hello. How is everybody? Wonderful. Excellent. This bodes very well. Very well. Now, Chris, you've been on the show before discussing some of your fine work with the best-selling novel, What Are You Without God? How is things progressing? I mean, we've moved on to I Am and then All These Quiet Places. Yeah, that book is still um, very proud of it, still sitting around and um, ready for anybody to read it. It's a standalone book. It's pretty much everything you wanted to say on the topic of atheism. That's correct. That was the concept of it. And you then collaborated with Jen for a project called I Am. What was the go with that? I wouldn't say that it wasn't really a collaboration. I, it was It was more, I was writing, as you know, those, those little I Ams on Twitter to, um, uh, you know, just to be poetic and, and talk about atheism in a more poetic 
somewhat in a more, somewhat less scientific way. It was Jen's idea to compile them in a book. It was initially her idea, and then I took it into making a composition, you know, making the concept of how to organize it, selecting them. That wasn't really a collaboration, Jen, would you say? Definitely not a collaboration. Mm, but Jen's still taking 47% of the profits, no doubt. Of course. <laughs> I'm Jewish, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and there we go. There's our first stereotype for the episode. <laughs> Tune in for more coming up after the break. We make more fun of New Zealanders. <laughs> so what we're actually talking about is all these quiet places. What's this about? Well, Jen, I mean, you can start with this one. I'll say what I want to say, but you should probably or not. add what it's about, I think. I okay. had had a, a super crazy experience that ended up being very cool in the end over several years with someone I had been married to, you know, domestic violence sort of thing. After I had gotten past it, gotten away from it, out of it, all that that entailed, I figured that it, it would definitely have to be written, but I, I really couldn't get myself, I couldn't get my head into how I was going to write it. And, you know, I happened to be talking to Chris after I read his first book, and we were having a discussion about the experience, and I had written some blog posts on it. So in that discussion, you know, I revealed more things to Chris, and he really liked the story. He can tell you why. But at that point, I had asked him if he would be interested in writing it. And, you know, obviously, he said yes. Mm. So that's how it came about. I mean, you mentioned the words there, domestic violence, that turns into an awesome experience. How does one make the best of a bad situation? For me, it was not being interested in blaming everyone else around and recognizing that I had put myself there and that I was tolerating this for quite some time. You know, there was a grooming period and all that. It's kind of like before you know it, you're in the midst of this uh, real life nightmare. You know, anything you can imagine that could be horrible that could happen to you while you're still alive. That's what was going on in that house. And um, it turned out to be awesome because in recognizing my responsibility in having ended up there, I also realized simultaneously that I could take responsibility in removing myself. I had to put a plan into place and follow it. And it did take some time as I followed the plan. And then ultimately when I left there and, you know, rebuilt my life, I realized that all of the things I learned and, and I felt very, very good about myself. I realized that all of that was because I had been able to look at myself very honestly and create a better standard in which to live by. That was several years ago. And to this day, I still, if someone were to ask me, why are you happy? I would say a lot of it has to do with um, what I learned then. Mm. So with the beauty of 2020 hindsight vision, Chris, what did you do with it? Well, I would say Jen just said um, before she went on to describe how she could sort of have a sensation of extreme positivity from what's generally billed as a nightmare scenario. She was starting out by saying that she described the story to me and my reaction was kind of like, you got to write it. Somebody's got to write it, you know. And what I was responding to, I guess you would say would be more her perspective on what occurred uh, and what she was a part of. And so, you know, she lived the experience. My job was to, again, it's not a work of journalism. My job was to make it interesting, seize on the right literary aspects, manipulate time in order to make it dramatic from a literary perspective. You know, frankly, real life is not that dramatic. 
there's a lot of time and things aren't happening. Things have to be altered for books in uh, in those small ways in order to further symbolism or motifs or what have you. And um, what made me really interested in this, as you can tell, is Jen's unusual attitude in the current climate of this topic. Mm. That comes through in the book. The book is not something that is necessarily has um, an agenda beyond simply telling Jen's story in the way that she wants it told. But I think there are these other layers there for people if they want to find them. So would it be the sort of thing that you could read? Somebody who perhaps is in a position where they might be on the receiving end of some domestic abuse to learn from somebody else's perspective and be empowered by that? I would say definitely yes. Easy as that. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. I mean, honestly, I, th- I think that's more of a question for you, Jen, because I mean, that's uh, that takes me out of yeah, my out I of sort of my job. Excellent. Well, yeah, that's why I just jumped in. Sorry, I had thought about that because doing work after I got out of there, I used to work for the um, police department doing domestic violence response, and you really have to watch how much information you give to someone that's currently in crisis or in an unstable position, you know, because first of all, they can only handle so much information under all that stress. And they, they probably couldn't take on in those moments how they couldn't take responsibility. It's kind of, it, it lacks compassion to get a person to feel that when they're really crap in their pants. But if they could take their time and read it and look how bad it got and then the little things that went into making changes that ultimately made an overall big change, I think it's very helpful. Mm. I, I think it would definitely work. And I do have some people interested in it that counsel these women. And I know that they understand what they're getting into by ordering that book and probably giving it out to clients. Mm. So I'd say, yeah. If somebody were in a position where they couldn't afford to buy the book and they felt that they could benefit from this to assist in their own situation, would you be prepared to help out? Yes, I would. Mm. I w- I'll take that on personally, yeah. I wanted to say if anyone is in a tough position and um, they really can't have anything around that shows that they're looking into maybe straightening out a mess that they're living in right now, a domestic violence situation or any kind of um, intimate violence scenario, they can contact me on Twitter and we can have a private conversation and, you know, see where what they need to be doing right now. If they want access to this, it should be discussed whether it's wise to have it shipped to their home. Should they get an ebook instead? Would it be best if they just made contact with someone they could talk to for a while and see, see where it's going? You have to be very careful if you're in crisis that you don't do anything rash and having a book like this coming to your home, you only need to read the back cover blurb to understand what's going on in there. Mm. So it, it may not always be safe. Mm. So I would be happy to, to talk to anyone on Twitter who contacts me. Very well. Get in touch at Jen, J-E-N underscore August, as in the month. Yeah, if you, if you can't afford it, it and it is something that's going to uh, benefit you, you know, somebody being able to relate to somebody else who's had a similar experience. I'm pretty sure these wonderful peoples are going to help you out. And Jen and Chris, is there anything else you'd like to add? I mean, where can we get the book? Well, the book can be had in the usual channels. Obviously, we're speaking a little bit in advance of actual publication, but we really are in the um, the last steps here. I'm in the last steps of what I'm responsible for. It'll be available on things like Amazon, Barnes and Noble's site. We're going to work out Apple's iBooks because that uh, Apple's a big pain in the 
but but we'll try to figure that out. As usual, if anybody has a request for for a certain sort of medium or um or business that they would like to interact with for an ebook cuz I'm not an ebook guy, they can talk to me directly on Twitter or Jen and we'll figure out what to do. One thing that I just wanted to add, I think the uniqueness of this book books and stories and movies about domestic violence have generally been, at least in my experience, and I'm 33 years of age, in my experience, they've really told the story from what I feel at this point from a, from under the shroud of a really stiff taboo, sort of a tale of angels and demons. This story is much more complicated than that. For people who, who read it, I hope that just my, my personal wishes, the author, and I think probably Jen's desire as well, is that they're left with a much more complicated picture of the human dynamic that's going on here. Clearly, somebody is going to wind up being wrong from a social perspective. Somebody has to, um, somebody who exhibits violence, who is aggressive towards somebody has to be condemned socially by the law. Nobody's disputing that. But in terms of philosophically how people come to these points in time and how they come to bounce off each other in these ways, that is the more complicated philosophical perspective and kind of swamp quandary that we're hoping people uh, will engage with us, that the book will make them mm-hmm. engage in. I'm hoping that people feel a complexity that is usually not that readily available in other news stories or other movies or books. Usually the horror of what's going on commands a certain level of automatic deference. And Jen's attitude towards the subject matter is complicated and I think is very confusing for a lot of people, especially, well, I mean, I'm just saying initially when they don't actually hear you out, uh, Jen's taken a lot of uh, condemnation from people who Mm. think that she's the bad guy or something like that. Mm. And so she's, she's really being misunderstood often. And the book could be misunderstood. I'm prepared for that uh, as Jen is. But the goal here is one of complexity. It is our opinion, having gone through the the subject matter, going having me reviewed so much of her life in this venue, that the dynamic of people and the nature of people is far more complicated mm. than what is a more comfortable labeling session of just saying this is the bad guy, this is the good guy. Mm. You know, that's that's much more comfortable. Ultimately, ultimately, I think that's also untrue. I'm guessing you're very glad that you didn't go with the working title Fifty Shades of Jen, just to further <laughs> complicate the scenario. <laughs> Groan. All right, I guys. got overruled. I got overruled. <laughs> guys, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate you coming on. Awesome. Thanks, Adam. Ladies and gentlemen, joining me on the line from the other side of the world to help me celebrate... Nailing a person to two pieces of wood, because today's Good Friday. I have Jonathan Tweet. How are you, sir? Very good. Thanks, Adam. Talk to me. What's your story? What's your background? Uh, so I've been a professional game designer since the 80s, doing tabletop games, things like Dungeons and Dragons, Dice and Graph Paper. Done that for years and had a lot of success with it. And last year I did something different. I've always been a really big fan of science and particularly evolution. And last year um, I went on Kickstarter and raised money to fund the first book to teach evolution to uh, preschoolers. It's called Grandmother Fish. Now this was recommended to me by a listener of the show, Benjamin Dodds. He's previously appeared on the show to do some of his poetry, and he spoke very highly of your book. It's only 20 pages long. Can we explain evolution in 20 pages? Well, that's a really good question. You know, the simple answer is no. There's really no way you can explain natural selection and the deviation of different clades into subclades and, and what have you. But what you can do 
uh, in 20 pages is help a child key into uh, how they relate to other living creatures, especially other vertebrates, and how they relate to our ancestors. Uh, so what Grandmother Fish does is it shows the child a series of what really are our ancestors. So, you know, a fish from 400 million years ago, you know, something that we would call a reptile, the first amniote that could lay eggs on land, then a mammal, right, the little tree-dwelling eutherian, and then, you know, its descendants, one of which was an ape that all apes, including us, are descended from, and then finally, uh, grandmother human. And so what the book shows is that each one of these grandmothers evolved certain activities, certain capabilities that we, as the descendants of those ancestors, still have today. So grandmother fish, she could wiggle and she could chomp with her teeth. And, I, you know, even a preschooler can wiggle and, and chomp. And in fact, the book prompts the child to do these actions. Can you wiggle? Can you chomp? And kids love doing that. It means even little kids can sort of follow along. It makes the story really personal. And so Grandmother Fish can wiggle and chomp. And then she has many different kinds of children. And there's even like a little phylogenetic tree in the book, if you believe it, for kids <laughs> that shows that Grandmother Fish, so to speak, she had lots of different kinds of children, like sharks and uh, ray-finned fish and lobe-finned fish, right? And one of the descendants of these fish-like ancestors was a reptile-like ancestor, which we call Grandmother Reptile. And she could crawl and she could breathe. And, you know, the kid can do that. And Grandmother Mammal can... Uh, her babies can squeak and uh, she can cuddle with her babies. And so kids squeak and cuddle. Uh, grandmother ape can hoot and she can grab with her hands. And the kid is seeing that they are capable of doing all these things until finally you get the grandmother human. You see that phylogenetic tree with how grandmother ape evolved into gibbons and orangutans and gorillas and chimpanzees. And there's grandmother human, one more animal in this big story. And she can tell stories and she can walk just like the child. And now you've brought it all back and the story has been about the, the child the whole time. So it doesn't explain how natural selection works. That's really tricky, but it's meant to be a child's first exposure, like a framework that, okay, when she looks around at her world and she sees a dog, she can tell that that dog must have been descended from grandmother reptile and grandmother mammal, but obviously not from grandmother ape, right? No, that, uh, that'd be ridiculous. Ex <laughs> exactly. So the nice thing about this, that like the key point, you know, evolution is really complicated, but the thing that kids can most understand is what people in evolution call homology, right? Like my arm is like a chicken's wing, right? Or it's like an elephant's foreleg. That's homology. Mm -hmm. And kids can get that, right? Kids, they want to know about their own bodies. They're interested in the living things. And so when you show the kid that, Wow, when you crawl and breathe, you're doing something sort of like these reptile-like ancestors did millions of years ago. It's like the easiest evolutionary concept for kids to get. I, well, <laughs> simple enough even for me to get it. <laughs> I didn't realize there was a word for that because I think it was Douglas Adams in... Uh, it was Douglas. It may have been Terry Pratchett. In fact, I think it was Terry Pratchett wrote in one of his books that pretty much every animal out there has some sort of spine yeah. with four things hanging off it and a head on the top, yeah. and they're just configured in a slightly different way. That, that's right. But how do you think, say, world politics would have panned out had George Bush had access to this book? <laughs> that's a really good question. Like, uh, you know, how will it change people if they grow up thinking of themselves as, you know, evolved animals along with all the other evolved animals we share the world with? I'd like to think that it will, you know, improve people. 
it's good to know where you really come from. You know, here in the States, there's a lot of creationists who are opposed to evolution, and there's a lot of people arguing all the time and producing evidence. And what Grandmother Fish does, it doesn't argue for evolution. It just shows you how obvious it is, and it makes common descent feel wonderful. So the little kid is really excited about being descended from Grandmother Ape because that's cool and funny, and you get the hoot like an ape. I would like to think that it's such a charming idea that if you can get it in front of kids, it's going to win them over. You mentioned the people who, the creationists, who are arguing yeah. against evolution. I think if we really want to take the fight out, we're going to have to change the word evolution to reality. <laughs> well. <laughs> and I think it would put that really surreptitious, demeaning <laughs> insinuation <laughs> behind it. <laughs> so where can we get this book when it arrives? You can pre-order it right now. We raise money for it on Kickstarter, so the Kickstarter people are going to get it when it releases. But we're also taking pre-orders from people who missed the Kickstarter. Um, and you can go to grandmotherfish.com. That's our website, obviously. Uh, there's a link there to, to pre-order. But you can pre-order it now, and it'll you can get it there this summer. There's even um, a woman from Australia uh, who bills herself as the dinosaur lady. <laughs> uh, and she paid extra to have herself drawn into the uh, last spread of the book. So there will be a famous evolutionary Australian as part of the book already. So if we all came from Africans, why are there still Australians? <laughs> That's a really good question. <laughs> now, you do other bits and pieces as well. In fact, you mentioned that you're an atheist who goes to church. Yeah, That's right. What's that about? Yeah, well, it does sound really crazy, but I'm not afraid to be a little bit crazy. For me, what happened personally is that my late wife really wanted to raise our daughter in a church environment because she valued that and valued the community that you would get from that. And if you're an atheist, as we all were, there are not many churches that will take you. But luckily in the States, there's a Unitarian denomination that has no creed. The one thing that you can't do as a Unitarian is kick someone out of your group based on what they believe. So, in fact, lots of the people at the church that I go to are atheists. Honestly, I can't tell which ones are atheists and which aren't because we don't talk about God. We talk about, you know, justice or immigration reform or hope. It's sort of a special community set apart where you're not part of consumer culture and you are coming together to try to, you know, build a build a community that's a, a little different based more on like justice and shared values rather than on entertainment or profit or whatever you might get. Hmm. So what's it, what's the yeah. service look like? So every Unitarian church sort of sets their own agenda because we don't have a pope or anybody to tell us what to do. Here in Seattle, we've got a lot of uh, sort of Scandinavians with Lutheran background, and that's sort of where I come from. And so our service actually looks like a regular Lutheran service with there's this choir and we sing out of a hymnal and whatever. But the the sermon is about human values or, you know, aspirations or or the struggles of life or what have you. It's not about anything supernatural. The real difference, I think, is the Sunday school, where the point of the Sunday school is to inform the kids sort of about religion and about ethics, but really it's to draw out the child's own sense, right? Like, what does the child want to believe? What do you, you know, there's, there, it, there isn't a block of things you're supposed to learn, there's a number of questions that we expect you to confront. So we had a Sunday school class where someone came in and talked about his wife dying and what that was like. And he reminded all these, you know, 11 year olds that they were all going to die and they should think about that. But it wasn't about the afterlife. It was about the reality of death. 
Mm. I didn't get anything like that in a Lutheran <laughs> Sunday school, I can tell you. Nothing practical or realistic. It'd be a tricky question for the kids to confront. Well, I mean, it, exactly. And they'll spend their whole lives confronting it, right? It's not like you go to Sunday school one day, you learn how, learn what death means. It's like, wow, understanding what death means, that's something that I'm still doing, mm. right? It's just something that you 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 confront and experience and are honest about. Very well. Is there anything else you'd like to add no, I, I uh, listen to your podcast. I think it's great. I'm glad that you're, you know, raising the secular flag in Australia. And I, I uh, hope you all the best. Thank you very much. <laughs> we've been having so, a lot of fun with the unholy trinity down under. And at the yeah, moment, I've heard about that. Yeah, we've got cleanup crews in Brisbane, Sydney and Melbourne, you know, straightening chairs, picking up all the rubbish after the guys. It's a big job. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I did forget to mention your Twitter handle at the beginning of this. It's at Jonathan M for Mary tweet, but I'm yeah. guessing your middle name is not Mary. Let's leave that a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> very well, Jonathan Mary tweet. Thank you very much for coming on the Herd Mentality podcast. All the best with your book. Thanks very much. Take care. Ray Gate, the adventures of Ray and Rainy. Good morning, Raylene. Hi, Ray. How's it going? Oh, have you seen the uh, the accounts of late? Uh, yes, Ray, I have. I had the company credit card turned down when I went for my anal bleaching last oh, week. It was you really did. embarrassed. Not only am I now in the bad books, but I've also got a shady asshole. Thanks in, a lot. You're in the brown books, really? Yes. <laughs> Terrible. We can't have that. I mean, we've got to do something to boost the money that we earn from these Raygate sketches and uh, lying, and loving waters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> lying. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so have you got any clever ideas? What have you seen down where the little people go, the peasants? You know, the 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 people who go to the shopping centres and so forth. Well, discussing this with you and uh, you know after the trauma of having my bleaching turned down they've got all these pop-up shops now it's all the rage oh pop-up shop thought, yeah i mean they just you know it says what it, it does what it says on the tin it, yes it, it sounds exactly up. it sounds exactly the same in an australian and in new zealand pop-up shop <laughs> so i was thinking well why can't we have a pop-up shop to boost our you know income a little bit we could um Maybe look at selling a few things from Living Waters, like oh, butt plugs. Oh, butt plugs. Yeah, no, okay, I've actually been in secret discussions, uh, like top secret discussions with somebody from Taiwan, and he's, like, worked out how to replicate the 8-horsepower solid gold butt plug, but it's 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 of inferior quality, and they're, they're, they're just gold-plated. But I reckon we could get the markup right up. Well, Ray, it doesn't really matter because everything we do is substandard anyway. That's like our motto. <laughs> if you can't do it half right, don't fucking do it at all. Yeah, let's go for it. I'm not even half scared. All right, let's get a pop-up shop. All right, Raylene, now uh, here we are in Indiana, which is much more fun to say with a Kiwi accent than pop-up shop. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing <laughs> funny about the pop-up shop. We've got our new shiny shop front we've paid $12.50 for. And uh, what have we got? Oh, we've got a fine display here of uh, gold-plated butt plugs. That's really hard to say when I'm used to saying eight horsepower solid gold butt plugs. Yes. <laughs> God. Four and a half power. Oh, hello. Hey, what's that? That's a customer. Oh, hey, we've got our first customer. I'm Excellent. So Excellent. Hello, sir. What's your name? 
I'm Tim Cook. Actually, I'm an Australian <laughs> Tim Cook. <laughs> so what can I help you with, sir? Well, I, I was walking past many stalls tonight. There was the Vietnamese noodles. There was the cronuts. And I happened to find your wares. Oh, all right. How can I help you? Well, I mean, what, what, what sort of wares sort of interested you when you walked past my pop-up shop? Well, when I was designing the latest MacBook, I made it inferior to the last one. So I saw that four and a half horsepower solid... It looks like gold. <laughs> it's gold. It's gold-plated. It's not, it's not solid gold like the real one. Is it any good? Can I try it out? Oh, look, uh, Raylanda, can you show the gentleman to the to the pop-up dressing room? Oh, of course, Ray. It'd be my pleasure, sir. You come right through, and I'll um, just get a shiny item for you. Would you like our model with the cubic zirconia? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> This is when I wish Raygate had video because I would be like, it would be like those teleshopping things, and I would be pointing and you know, displaying. They would just be amazing. And here's where it goes in, and here's where it comes out. Has it got USB ports? <laughs> it needs USB ports. This will never market if you don't have USB ports. Well, um, no, we we in fact we we took the idea of a USB port made it completely redundant by creating a lightning in and yeah. a lightning out port. Oh, you silly man. Nobody's going to go for that. You oh, need well, no, you haven't tried it. Raylene, take him to the dressing room. <laughs> Wi-Fi! <laughs> <laughs> Raylene, stop, stop laughing about stuff and take him to the dressing room. Oh, yes, Ray, I'm really sorry. Come on, sir. I'll take you over to the dressing room and you can try it out. This is just a curtain. <laughs> That's all it is. Don't call it a dressing room. Um, all right, okay. Well, if you just come over to, you know, the curtain then um, and try this out and see how you get on. Oh, let's just see how this thing fits. Hmm. Went in a little bit easier than usual. Oh, my God. This is... Oh. Christ. I can, uh, I can feel my lower intestine. God, can you hear me? Thank you. Oh, God. Oh, my God. This... Uh, uh. Okay. okay, I reckon I've got enough to work with there. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I gave you a lower intestine. <laughs> That's not bad. So. You send it to me. Can you have it on a loop? <laughs> Or make it into some sort of ringtone, which is a du- double entendre. <laughs> hey, Raylene, it sounds like he might actually be enjoying this. Is this he? Could he possibly some one of those, you know, homo thingy sexuals? Oh, we can't. But what do we do? We can't sell him stuff because we don't like the homosexuals. Ray, we need to make money, but I'm really torn. No. You know, the Bible does say that butt plugs are between one man and one woman. <laughs> so And one butt plug. I mean, I remember that in the verse. It was, I actually got it engraved. But look, we can't. How, how do we say? What if he actually wants it? Ray, I, I really don't know. We've got a moral dilemma here. I mean, what would Jesus do? Well... I never ask myself what would Jesus do. I always ask myself what would Beyonce do, and it, <laughs> so, 
doesn't really help me either she way. She put a ring on the butt plug. <laughs> put a ring on it. <laughs> You're a disgrace. Okay, but but is it, oh shh, 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 he's coming out of the change room. Oh, hello, sir. How was that? Can't explain it. It's like I've never liked Taiwan so much. <laughs> I hope you don't actually want a, to purchase a, a four and a half power painted gold butt plug. It's gold. Gold is nice, but I've got like a gold iPad, a gold phone. Does it come in rainbow at all? Fabulous colours. Rainbow? rainbow? What? Why would you want That's rainbow? That's a little bit homo sapien, isn't it? Oh, are you a homo sapien? Indeed I am. Oh, I'm no. Sorry. We're, this is in Indiana, and by law we're not allowed to serve homo sapiens, so we're going to have to ask you to leave. Well, Raylene, how desperate are things looking back at Living Waters? Uh, Ray, we're fucked. Oh, okay. Um, all right, you may purchase one, but one only. All right, mate, thanks. I'll take this with me. And not to it. be used with another Homo sapien, thank you. No, no Homo sapien use. I, I guarantee, guarantee I won't be using it for or with a Homo sapien. What, on the Living Waters goggle? Yes, right, right, look, that homo sapien that bought the butt plug from us, look at what he's gone and done. Oh, what? He's got a spick sheet and everything, it's in white and it's in pink and it's all over the... It's got a USB port, what is going on? No, a pop-up... Pop-up shop, A pop-up butt shop. Pop-up butt shop, nice. <laughs> Can you hear my washing machine in the background? Is it a wheeze and it's slightly slowing down at the moment? Yes, sorry, should it's I like change? I'm, I'm asthmatic. It's like me when I make love. I wheeze and I slightly <laughs> slow down. All right. Um, I love it when you pop up. <laughs> <laughs> You're a disgrace. I'm a moist disgrace. Oh, no. <laughs> all right, so now... I can't wait until we're doing live radiate <laughs> and I'm going to say all these things to your face. Well, I'm definitely interested, but... um. It's gold. Gold is nice, but I've got, like, a gold iPad, a gold phone. Does it come in rainbow at all? Oh. 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 Like, oh. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, no. <laughs> I, I heard you guys are a little torn, but I'm a little torn, too. <laughs> You're sphincter. Are you <laughs> No, that's not making it. That was no terrible. Australian joke. That in was the that of was it. your worst joke ever. <laughs> <laughs>